welcome to Vision Scope, a program intended to educate and inform. My name is Wilbert Williams. Vision, 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 a place to listen and learn. In this week's episode of Vision Scope, my special guest is Alex Henderson. Alex, welcome to the program. Hello, Will, but it's, it's really good to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Let's begin at the very beginning. Tell us exactly um, what happened. How did you become blind? Well, um, so my my um, eye condition is called cone dystrophy, and it's a genetic condition. Um, and they didn't actually realize that I had an eye condition until I was about nine years old. Um, so I was just in a normal, regular primary school. Um, and I think, I can't really remember now, but I think I was probably misbehaving at school and things like that. And I think it was just because I wasn't able to engage with the teaching. You know, I couldn't see what the teacher was writing on the blackboard. So you I think find something else to do. Yeah, and I think as well, I think I remember my parents saying that they were starting to notice, you know, kind of like I was struggling with riding my bike and they they were kind of picking up that maybe I was saying I could see, you know, if they said, like, oh, can you see that over there? And I'd just sort of go, yeah, yeah. And they sort of, they were starting to get the feeling that I, I couldn't. And I think it's just when you're a kid, you just, because you, you don't really know what's going on, you it's easier just you kind of end up playing along and you you try and make an excuse for it. So I think I think that's probably what was going on. Um, I'd had I'd had other um, kind of problems with my eyes in my young like really young years. I had like a squint, but they they removed that. So I think apart from that, they thought you know I was good to go. That was it. Um, so I think at one because my condition is quite a difficult one to to spot. You, I think you have to kind of be looking. It's, it won't come up in just a normal kind of eye exam. So anyway, they they found it, and that kind of I suppose I explained explained a few things. So my condition is I'm I'm partially sighted, so I do have some sight, um, but it, it gets worse over time. So my sight, kind of through my teens and everything, it was was better than it is now, um, but it's quite a slow, quite a slow process. So eventually, they adjusted to the fact that you had um, seen difficulties. And yeah. What did they do? Did they then get you into a school for the blind? No. See, I don't, I think, I know I, like, I'm no expert on this, but I, from what I understand is kind of my generations, maybe I was one of the, you know, uh, that generation, first generation to kind of be, they wanted to, to integrate rather than kind of put you in a, in a specialist school. So no, I was just, I carried on at, um, I still have one more year at primary school. Um, and I th can't really remember, but I mean, I, I think they had, I had like a t an assistant, someone who would write notes for me and, mm. and tell me what was going on. And also they would, I, I sort of vaguely remember these horrible um, A4 sheets of paper that had these really thick black lines on them so that I could see where the lines were so I could, I could write straight, you know. Mm. <laughs> and then like just loads of photocopies, you know, they they blow everything up. It'd be huge. You know, it's yes. really big writing. Yeah. So I, I, th I think I swear, like during my, my schooling years, I think I put a serious dent in the Amazon rainforest with the amount of 
photocopies I went through. <laughs> so you 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 eventually you had to um, rely on people to read for you and to write for you during class time. I think I used to write myself, like so. That's why I had those. Um, the paper with the really dark lines and everything so that I could kind of keep straight. So my, otherwise my writing would end up going, you know, all over the place. So I, I kind of, it was funny, maybe just because I'd, I'd been, I'd been doing things the normal way right up until that. So I think it was just, they helped in the ways that they thought, you know, I needed help, but I, I, I didn't learn Braille, you know, nothing like that. It was all, um, it was all, you know, them kind of, having, you know, scribing for me, mm-hmm. telling me what was on the board, writing notes. I could still read, you know, handwriting as long as it was kind of big. So they were, it was those kind of things really. And there wasn't the technology that we have now. Like there wasn't, you know, now you could just have the slides on PowerPoint and you could use your oh, laptop yes. or something. But then it was, it was much, it was just paper, you know. No, you can, you can use your, your phone to read the slides from, yeah. from your seat. I mean, it, You're sitting it's amazing. There. Yes, it's, it, it, it's a transformation, really. Definitely. And, uh, none of us in the, in the older generation had that privilege. No. Sometimes like, you wish you could go back to those, those days right now, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, like, when I was, especially when I was at... Um, so we call it in the UK, it'd be secondary school. So that's like high school, you know, so sort of 11 to 16 years old. That was um, like what, like when I, in that kind of time, there were computers and things. We had computers at school, but it just wasn't, it, it just wasn't prevalent. It just, you, no one would have thought like, oh, well, why don't we do, you know, the teacher was using blackboards and things like that and, the, and a whiteboard. So they were, you know, now I'm sure in schools they're using, you know, projectors with, you know, they're hooked up to laptops rather, you know, so it's a totally different, oh, different yeah. ball game. So I think it would have been cool just to be able to go back and, and I think it would have been, I think it's great. I think like kids now, it's great for your independence because being at school, you know, I always had like, um, someone like an assistant sitting next to me writing notes and you, it, you're very self-conscious that, you know, all your classmates are kind of like, Oh, look at him. He's got, you know, he, it really is a signal that you are different from all your, your, you know, your, your fellow students. Mm-hmm. What was it like the, the, um, the social life in, in, in school, if we can go back to primary and then up to okay. college days, what was it like? Primary, primary was was all right. I mean, I I don't remember it being difficult because I think as well, it was so late on that I was, you know, that it kind of got discovered that I had a, a, an eye condition that there was no kind of issue of me really feeling singled out or, you know, being bullied or anything like that. I think when it moved up into um, secondary school, like my sight was still... I'd say like my sight was still good enough that I could, I could kind of get away with, you know, it wasn't so obvious. I didn't use a cane, um, things like that. So maybe I think I did my, and I did my very best to sort of hide it. I think that was something that I learned looking back on my school days is that mainstream schools are great. You know, at that kind of integration, I, I, I never felt like I was molly coddled or wrapped in cotton wool or, you know, I was kind of, I had to, I had to learn the hard way in a way, but it also, I think subconsciously you end up 
not wanting to be different. You're very aware that you are different and you just want to be, you just want to fit in with your friends who are, you know, excited. So I made, you know, I really tried not, not to be different and for people not to see that I had, you know, a sight problem. And that kind of, I think that affected me later on in life because it's something you take with you. You, I think something I noticed with people who have maybe gone through, uh, um, you know, like a specialist school, like a blind school, I think they, they're kind of, they never really had that, you know, they were all their friends, the friends around them were, were blind as well. And, and I think I, you know, I didn't know another blind person until about, about three or four years ago. So I, I had no, I always felt like I was a bit of an outsider in a way like that. I didn't have anyone I could bounce, bounce my experiences off of. Mm-hmm. And when I did start to meet other blind and partially sighted people, it was, I just start laughing sometimes because like, oh, I, I thought that was just me who who experienced that, but it was quite a common, you know, the little things that you'd, you'd sort of little stories you tell, and they go, yeah, yeah, that, that happened to me as well. So, in fact, I think what is happening here is that you knew it, but you didn't want to admit it. Mm. You know, that's that that's part of the process. Um, but towards the end of college life, you you then had to begin to think about work. Uh, want to share that experience with us? Yeah. So, um, so I went. So after I finished high school, um, I went. I went on to college. So that's kind of the bit between sort of when you finish high school and then going on to university, if that's what you what you want to do. Yes. So, um, so I, I sort of remember I was never particularly academic. I never thought of myself as being particularly academic, and I remember one time in class, um, I got like a C and I was like really pleased with that. I was like, oh, cool, I got a C. And the teacher walked past me and kind of heard me and she said, you know, if you just worked a bit harder, you could get much better grades than that. And I, it didn't, I don't think it struck me completely at the time, but it certainly, it lodged in my brain. And I kind of, I just suddenly thought, you know what, I think what I see now that actually we all, we've all got stories about ourselves. And I think sometimes we put ourselves in a, in a, you know, a certain like category and I, I'd put myself in the, I'm not very academic category, but then I, I went to college and suddenly I just started to work a bit harder because it's a different environment. You know, college is much more, you have, to, you've chosen to be there. So you're not just there to muck around and, and, you know, so you've chosen subjects that you're interested in and you, you're there with other people who want to work hard as well. So I think that environment helps. And I started to get, you know, good grades. I started getting A's and it got to the point where I, I expected to get A's and I would be trying to figure out why I didn't get one if I didn't, if I didn't get one. And I think that sort of taught me that, you know, then, then it became the story was that, Oh, actually I am kind of academic. So, so actually I went on to university after that. I think, funny enough looking back at it I mean I did um I did computer science for my degree and I think I to be honest I wish I'd thought about it a bit more because I'm not really even sure that it was what I wanted to do I think it was just because I thought well I'm partially sighted there's only so many things that I can do realistically computers is a good one you know it's quite a leveler I've got assistive technology that I can use so I might as well do that and so I went on, I went on to, uh, do my degree. Um, and that went, that went really well. Like I, it was a four year, um, degree. I was really well supported. Like they, again, it was 
just then things were starting to change in terms of tech. So I was able to get a lot of the lectures and things like that on, they had like a system that where they would share all the, the, the material like in electronic format. So that made things just, it made things just way easier, just so much better. I still had people there in the lectures to write notes for me and things like that, but it was a lot more electronic. So that really helped. Looking back, would you say that um, the struggles you had in terms of lack of self-confidence was due to the fact that you, you, you were not encouraged to set goals? Mm, I don't know. I think... I'm not sure. I, I think, like, I was lucky because I had a very supportive family, a very loving family. And I was, I was well supported in terms of the school and the education. But looking back at it, an area that I think is really important that I think, I don't know kind of if it's improved now even, but for me, it's, it's that mentality. It's, it's, it's teaching kids with, with disabilities that don't impose limits on yourself. Don't let other people impose limits on you either. I mean, I've, I've seen, um, since I started getting into the kind of VI world, I've kind of met people who are kind of from older generations than me. And it's really striking that how much they were told that they couldn't do, you know, like, for example, I'd be talking to someone and I'd say like, you know, oh, I cooked a lasagna the other night or something. And they'd be like really shocked that I was cooking. They'd be like, oh, I can't cook. You know, I wouldn't be able to cook. It's too dangerous and, and all that kind of thing. That is, and, that is still a major issue, especially <laughs> in the Caribbean where yeah. you, you, sometimes the youngsters are overprotected. Yeah, and I think for me that's... I mean, because one of the things that I'm into is personal development. That's part of, you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about. And I've, I realized, like, well, there's a couple of things. Like, I think growing up, I, I, I never really had, like, a role model. Like, you know, my friends, maybe it would be, like, footballers or, mm. um, like, soccer players. You know, uh, we call it football. Um, or it could be, like, rock stars or actors or whatever. And I, I, I never really had anyone like uh, I look you know like a role model apart from like say family members or whatever but no one kind of famous or anything like that and I always just thought oh it's just because you know I'm not really interested in that kind of thing but actually looking back I think it's just because I didn't identify with them I I I did because they weren't disabled they weren't like me and so I never I somewhere deep down I just thought well I can't be like them so there's no point putting them as my role model and I think that's something that like kids with disabilities really need is that just seeing people doing stuff is, is almost, it's so inspiring. Like since I've started to, you know, kind of meet more uh, blind and partially sighted people, I'm seeing people that do some amazing things and things that I, I never thought that were possible. Yes. And I wish I'd sort of seen that when I was growing up, you know, that, that there are no limits, you know, all right, there are certain things that maybe you, you, it's not realistic. Mm. But even then, I'd still say, dream big, go for it. You know, maybe you'd say, all right, well, you know, a blind person can't be a brain surgeon, right? <laughs> but, but at least go for it and see where, see where you land. See if you can, see how close to it you can get. Don't just be like, oh, no, I can't. You know, all I can do is be a masseuse or a piano tuner or something, whatever you the tradition is. You know, when I was about 10 years old, I wanted to become an airline pilot. Yeah. 
No, I have no sight at all. But mm. that was my dream. And that stayed with me until I was about 15. And yeah. then I realized, no, that's, that's an impossibility. But yeah. you have to reset your goal. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you have a goal. You try to work with it, and then you come to the realization that this is too far-fetched. Yeah. You set your goal, but don't allow anybody else to set it for no. you. No. Right. And I think, like, you're way better off, like, going dreaming big, yes. thinking big, rather yes. than just being like, oh, well, I'll just, oh, yeah. you know, they, they put me in this little box. I'll just do, you know, because it sounds like... Um, like I was, I was speaking to this, to this lady, she's, she's 80, mm. and I was talking to her about, you know, I went to uni and all that, and I said, where did you go to uni? And she said, oh, no, they didn't let blind people go to university back in my day. And it was almost like you were just given, like, you know, three choices. You know, you can either be this, this, or this. You, you know, it's up to you. But, mm-hmm. And I just think, I think it's two things. It's like having those role, having those role models or having those examples that mm-hmm. you can pick at. I mean, just to give you an example from, um, from my life, like I was... I used to do martial arts when I was uh, sort of in my teens, which actually seems crazy to me now because I, I was like fighting and I couldn't even sit, I couldn't see properly. But anyway, it really explains why I got hit so much. <laughs> but um, I, sort of a few years ago, I had a bit of a light bulb moment about that really changed my life. And one of the things was I, it was that I wanted to get out there and challenge myself a bit more. And I thought, well, it'd be cool to get back into martial arts, do something. So I kind of Googled, you know, what martial arts can blind people do. And there are a few things came up and judo is one of them. And I thought, oh, that's cool. So typed in blind judo. And this article came up about this. I think he's like, he's a pensioner. He's blind. And he's like the master of like six martial arts. He can fight five guys at once. He's amazing. And I just thought, wow, if, if that old blind guy can fight five guys at once there's no reason why i can't go and do learn judo i think yeah and i just think i wish i'd had that when i was a kid just just to see those examples just to see that people are doing you can do these things you know so then after you left university what did you do so um this is kind of where i think if I look back, my life had been going pretty well up until around this point. And I left university. I think I was pretty much just burnt out. I mean, I'd worked so hard because the only one who, you know, you know, I can only speak from my own person, you know, my own personal experience, but having a, a disability, you have to work a lot harder, you know, like, I mean, twice as hard in some yeah. Yeah. And so I'd worked really, really hard. Um, and I just, when I came out, I was just really tired. The thought of, you know, either doing more like doing a master's or going straight into work was just, um, I just didn't, it just wasn't, it didn't appeal to me. So I thought I'm going to take a bit of a break. And then I just, I think I just got stuck in a bit of a rut. I just, I think as my sight started to get worse, um, my attitude towards life got worse. I think my my attitude started to become that, if I couldn't do something without people noticing that I was different, then I wasn't going to do it at all, you know? And then the problem with that is, is that as your sight gets worse, you just end up, you, there's nothing you can do. If, you know, you just end up staying at home all the time. You know, I was worried that, say if I went, say if I was asked out by friends, you know, do you want to go to the cinema or whatever? I'd be worried about, I, oh, you know, I don't want to ask for help, you know, if I can't see where I'm going or, you know, I don't want to bump into someone or, 
ask for for help or whatever it might be or you know are people going to think i'm odd because they can't tell that i'm you know partially sighted so i just my actually was just like right well i'm not going to do it then and i and i actually thought that was a strength for a while and it was i was totally wrong but um so for a, a good chunk there afterwards i i was still working i did um bits of freelance web development so i was still working and and that kind of thing and there are a few other things within the family that were sort of keeping me busy so i wasn't just like sitting around doing nothing it's that's not really my my nature but i certainly i certainly got to a point where i didn't even think that i'd be able to get a job actually and you know i'd got a good degree i'd got a good um good level but I just was just, I don't think I really, I didn't believe, I didn't believe in myself enough, I don't think. Or I didn't believe that blind, partially sighted people could could go out there and do these things. Because I, mean, I didn't have really any other examples. If I'd only I'd known, I mean, there are loads of people out there in IT and whatever who are doing brilliantly who are, who are blind. But I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> so I think I just got stuck in this, this bad cycle, really, of just feeling really negative. And I'd always... I think the, the thing you've got to watch out for is I always believed I was a really positive person. Like I'd always been, you know, confident, quite outgoing and, and mm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But actually I didn't realize how negative my mindset had become. You know, I just, I, I felt like I wasn't able to live the life I wanted to. You were, good at, this- you were good at making excuses. Yeah, you know, def- yeah, exactly. And it was that sort of attitude of like, oh, these are just the cards I've been dealt. Poor me. Um, I can only expect you know, a mediocre life out of this. I can't live the life that I really want to live. And I just kind of resigned myself to that. What made you change your mindset? Right, well, it's funny. It, I, there's nothing that I can say prompted this, but just one day, I just, just this thought came into my head. I don't know where it came from, but it was just that I suddenly realized it was like a light bulb going off. It was like, the problem isn't my eyesight because I'd always blame my eyesight for everything. You know, it was the reason I didn't have the life I want. It was because of my eyes. You know, if only, if, if only I had normal sight, it would all be easy. And I just suddenly realized that the problem wasn't my eyesight. It was the fact that I thought it was a problem. If you get what I mean. Mm. So it was my outlook. I saw it as a problem. So that made it a problem. That was what was stopping me doing things was the fact I was stopping myself doing things. No one was... No one was standing outside the house going, no, you can't do this. It was, it was me that was... It was you. Yeah. Internally, you, 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 you couldn't come to terms. Yeah. I, I think it was just... It was just... I got stuck in seeing life in a certain way. And just something came along. It was just literally like that. I don't know if when you were at school and you were doing maths or something and you just couldn't understand what they were talking about the algebra or whatever and your friends were getting it mm. and then suddenly the teacher maybe explains it in a different way you go oh yeah i get it and then suddenly you just think how did i not see this before yes. and it, it and that 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 one thought just totally changed my life from then on it was almost like i just i was seeing things completely differently and i'm just so grateful that happened because if it hadn't happened I mean, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I'd be just still sitting, sitting, doing nothing, feeling sorry for myself. Afraid of coming on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Be, yeah, I wouldn't be like, I'm not going on a podcast. No way. <laughs> <laughs> what What kind of job did you eventually um, find yourself in? So, so after that point, um, I kind of spent the next couple of years really 
um, just trying to work on my, I think mainly, mainly my, my social life and things like that. So then about after a couple of years of kind of doing that and I'd, I'd really changed everything. I was like, I just needed some kind of purpose. I needed a direction because I just, I didn't want to do the web development anymore. And um, I was kind of set to, I, I bit, so there's two things that I'm kind of, I do at the moment kind of professionally. So one is I work for a sight loss charity. Um, I'm in the communications team. So I, I handle um, their social media and things like that and kind of just other general communications type things. And then the other thing is, is kind of when I, when I had this realization that I was talking about before, I got into, it kind of led me into personal development and, you know, kind of motivational things and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of courses on um, life coaching and I just felt like this could be something I could be really good at and something I could really enjoy. Cause I, I, I like the idea of helping people. And after I had that kind of transformation in my life, I just, I felt like I wanted to, cause I knew it was possible. I kind of wanted to help other people to find it for themselves as well. So at the moment, um, that's kind of my two, two parts of my career. So I was working on the, the life coaching thing and then just literally, um, I kind of, I knew I wanted to, I needed to kick up the bum basically. Like to, you know, that thing where you, you kind of, you're procrastinating your, you know, next, you know, I'll read one more book and then I'll be ready. Yes. And I just knew I had to do something just to get something moving. So I enrolled in this, uh, an employment program that um, the, the charity that I work for now uh, runs. And it's just about kind of them helping you with your CV, helping you with job searching, that kind of thing. And I thought, well, these are things I could do myself anyway, but I just wanted to be part of something where there's accountability, where there was someone was going to ask you, you know, well, have you done your CV now? You know, that would hold me to account. So I enrolled in that. And then um, a few months later, I got an email come into my uh, email inbox and it said like job vacancy, uh, communications intern at this charity. And I was like, I just, the only way I can describe it, Will, but I just... I got this great feeling. I just had this really good feeling came over me. And I was like, this is it. It was a bit like, I don't know, like I was a surfer who'd been waiting, you know, sitting on the beach with his surfboard, waiting for that right wave just to come in. And this was it. My wave had come in and I had to, it was, right now, it's, my, it's my job. Yeah, exactly. You know, life sent you the wave. Now you've got to do the rest, you know? So I, I thought I applied for this job. I'd never done worked in communications before. You know, you could you could write what I know about what I knew about social media in a tweet, and you still have you know you still have characters left over for some emojis. So I didn't, but I knew that I had the skills, you know, the kind of transferable skills. You know, that I I knew I could write well. I knew I I was quite creative. So I I went for it, and yeah, I I got the job. And funnily enough, will but just literally this week is I've been there for a year now. So it was the 23rd, I started on the 23rd of September last year and it was only supposed to be a nine month um, contract. And, I, you know, due to COVID and everything that, yeah, I'm still, I'm still here. They haven't got rid of me yet. So I must be doing something right. So I'm there till December. Um, so I'm just, and that, that has been, it's been, a, that's been a real game changer just because it's given me, because I, I mean, the problem was Wilbur. I mean, I had the life coaching thing. That was something I definitely wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But even prior to that, I'd felt so lost. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I fit 
where I fitted in in the world. You know, it's that purpose. It's finding, getting on that on that purpose. And this job has really given me, given me some of that. You know, it's given me confidence. It got me back into that nine to five. You know, working in an office, a routine. It's a you know, yeah, it def- yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing that that I found hardest at the beginning was well, not just that I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> but also that I was it was like a, such a lifestyle change, you know, suddenly I got home in the evening and I only had like a couple of hours to myself, you know, before I had to go to bed or whatever. Mm. And I was like, whereas before I'd had almost like unlimited time and actually I probably wasn't making the most of that time. Like now I think I still seem really busy back then when I had all that time, but now I sort of look back and I go, you had like the whole day, you know, you, you had loads of time. So it got me, this job has really got me into that, that routine, that discipline, and just that, you know, meeting other people, networking, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's, man? no, 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 I'm a single, single man. Okay. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's just, and it's given me like so many new skills. I mean, like social media and things like that, they're all, it's all emerging. It's still, it's only going to grow. Yeah. And I've now got this kind of, these, these skills that I've developed and, don't get me wrong, like you have to work at it. I've had to work really hard. It, you know, there days, I remember the first day when I started and I got home and it was, it was, the weather was horrible. It had been raining. I was walking home in the rain. I was like, oh, you know, it was so overwhelming. There'd been, you know, I'd met so many people. I'd, mm. you know, I was kind of thinking I'm really out of my depth here. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I got home, I flopped on the sofa. I didn't even take my shoes off, didn't take my jacket off. I was just like, what have I got myself into? You know, it was so, <laughs> I was, it was so comfortable. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything before. Or I wasn't, I wasn't on a purpose, but I, I was comfortable. And I think something that taught me was you've got to get outside your comfort zone in life. You know, what you want is always just, just a little bit out of your reach and you've got to go for it if you want it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, tell us a little bit now about Alex person i want to know for example what are your favorite foods Mm, okay so i'm a bit of a sucker for cheesy sauces so give me some pasta with some cheesy sauce and i'm 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 loving it so anything kind of italian is good Mm. um i like a curry whether it's like kind of your caribbean curry or like indian Indian it's all good Mm. and also like a well yeah a bit of bit of thai food as well i mean i'm not a big i'll eat pretty much most things i'll try most things just i'm not a big seafood fan you know kind of like um oysters and stuff like that i'm not a big fan of that but pretty much anything else and i suppose one of my other favorite foods is good old steak and chips that's you can't really go wrong with that or a nice what about fish and chips you're not a fish and chips person oh fish no fish and chips is all right no it's good it's good um what has been your most embarrassing moment as a blind person? This is a tough one, Will, but I mean, I've got a couple, but they're not really broadcastable. <laughs> 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 but I'm trying to think of anything that's broadcastable. Um, mm, oh, there was one actually. Yeah. I mean, this is maybe something that a lot of blind people could probably sympathize with, but so like I said before, I, I didn't use a, a white cane, but in the last sort of maybe year and a half, I've started using one and that was sort of part of 
me kind of embracing my 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 sight condition rather than trying to hide it like I used to. Um, so I, one day I was walking, I was walking along this street and I, there's a street that it, I really don't like it. It's, it's, it's one of those ones like no matter how many times you walk it, it never gets any easier. You know, like you, mm. after a while you think, oh, this has got easy. I know where that lamppost is. I know where the bus stop is. I know this one was just, it never gets any easier. I never, it, it always seems really hard. So anyway, I was walking along this, this street. And suddenly I just came up to this brick wall. Mm. I was like, hang on a minute, there shouldn't be a brick wall there. And what I'd done was I'd, I'd accidentally walked up into someone's front garden and like walked into oh. their, they had, like, they had like a concrete like front garden thing. And I'd ended up walking up this ramp thing into like their front garden. I thought front garden. better turn around pretty quickly. They'd be like, there's some, there's some crazy bloke wandering around our front garden. What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, that was a bit, I, I, I made a quit. I made a speedy getaway after that one. Okay. You you live alone? No, I live with my um, dad and my gran. Okay. So my dad's um, seventy, my gran's ninety-five. So, you, so you you wouldn't have problems identifying things in the kitchen, for example. Um, like I can't I can't read labels and things like that. But how do you how, personally? How do you deal with things in the kitchen that need to be identified? Right. Let me think. So I've got, um, I've got, so I, I use my phone. Um, I've got seeing AI, which is an app on my phone, which, oh. which is quite cool. You can, yes. it's, it's not always the easiest to use. Sometimes <laughs> you can be there for about five minutes moving it around, trying to figure out how to get it in shot. But so I use that. And then I also have like, I have like other little systems. So say if, um, so like I, I like making, um, uh, like spaghetti bolognese. So, so say if I've ordered, I do like an online shop and I've bought like tins of tomatoes. Once I've identified that they're, they're the tomatoes, what I'll do is I'll like rip the label. So like I know when I come back to him, like, okay, yeah, that's the tin tomatoes because it's got a rip in the label. Or I'll do something like I'll fold the label or I'll, I'll just try and figure out little ways that mm -hmm. just make it Please, that little uh, bit easier, you know? We remind you. What about yeah. Be My Eyes? Do you use Be My Eyes at all? You know what? I haven't used that one. And it's just like, I think I'm a bit... I don't know what it is. I just don't like the idea of having to like, I'd rather just speak, I'd rather have it done by a machine rather than me have to actually like speak to someone like, oh, what, what's this here? Like, I can't, can't find it. I think it's just that I'm st sometimes I still cling on to that, mm -hmm. that idea of doing it myself. So I haven't actually used Be My Eyes, but the, the one that I kind of like the, the sound of is this Ira thing. I don't know if you've, you've heard of that or oh, used that. But yeah, so but it's just it's a bit expensive. So maybe I'll try Be My Eyes first and see how that goes. Yes, Be My Eyes is good, but sometimes you take a long time before you get a volunteer to come on. Right, okay. So do you, have you used it yourself then? I, yes, I have it on my phone. And yeah, yeah. Time to time. Uh, what has been your most exciting moment there that you can remember? Hmm... I've got, got a few of those that spring to mind. So I think I'll tell you, so one of the ones that was most recent, so before all this COVID and everything. So one of my, one of my passions is dancing. So um, I was in a, a dance competition um, in January and it was, it was just, it was amazing, you know? So I don't know if you, you, you've got a program over there, Will, but called Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars, I think they call it in America. Um, no, the that's a BBC. Yeah. So it's, it's basically just like a dance program where they, 
they get like celebrities and they oh yes i've heard they, 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 yeah yes, yes. So they they team they team them up with like a a, a professional dancer and they kind mm. of teach them dance and then they perform a dance so it was kind of this competition was done in that kind of structure so each of the participants we went through like an auditioning process and um funny enough i wasn't actually told that this was going to lead to like a big competition i just thought it was just i just thought i'd go and see you know it'd be fun so i did this this audition i got through um to the final so then the the part of the final was that you were you were partnered with a professional dancer and then they would you'd have i think it was like six hours of of dance tuition with this dance partner and then you performed your dance in front of an audience at a competition then it'd be judged and everything so so that was when i found out that that's what the end point was i was like oh man what have i signed up for here but i just always believe you just got to keep saying yes to things you know life puts things in your path you just got to keep saying yes to them so i so i did this competition and i remember i was so nervous when i we were going out onto this dance floor and there's all these this audience there and they were like judges and there's like a famous dancer called Wayne Sleep. He's like a, he's from the UK and he was one of the judges. So it was like, wow, this is, this is something. So did, did my performance. It went really well. Like I, you know, I, it all went to call into plan. Each judge gave us a 10 out of 10. The audience were loving it. You know, got loads of applause and everything. And it was just, ah, oh, just great feeling. Just, you know, that buzz, just, I just had this real buzz. And I think that I'll always remember that. That's, that's going to stick with me for a long time. And then, so then another one, I think it's more of a, uh, more of a, just a, a, an exciting experience, but I, I did a, um, a trekking holiday in India, in Kerala. And that was just, just for like a, an experience rather than just like a, you know, something that just happened in a moment, but something that happened over like a couple of weeks just amazing just being in another country just that culture trekking meeting new people pushing yourself you know because it was it's the it's the longest the furthest trip i've ever done you know like i've done i've traveled around europe and done some trips and you know holidays and things but that was just something else you know being in such a different country such a different environment culture so that was just that was fantastic and that was really exciting so i guess there's a couple there Tell me, um, what is your favorite piece of music? If you were allowed to take only one piece of music to go on an island where you would be exiled, what would that piece of music be? That's a really tough one. It's tough. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, let me think. I'm trying to think what the song that kind of springs to mind and it's a it's a it's a disco song it's called get down on it um i think that i, I just think because i think it's one of them songs it just puts a smile on my face whenever i hear it mm. it doesn't matter what mood i'm in as soon as i put that on i'm just i've got a smile on my face so i think it'd, it'd have to be that i think that sounds like a good one to keep your company and to cheer you up yeah, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to pick anything too sad, would you? But like, ah, I'm some maroon on the desert island by myself. You love to read. I I I've gathered that that you enjoy reading or listening yeah. to books. Um, yeah. Which is your favorite book? Favorite writer? I would say. Your favorite, favorite writer. Um. Hmm. 
favorite. Oh, I, you know what? I, yeah, no, that's it is quite easy actually. No, it's pretty easy. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien. So I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a bit of a Lord of the fans, uh, Lord of the Rings geek. So yeah, it'd be it'd be Tolkien. I think is my my favorite writer. And finally, if you had to leave a parting word, motivational word. What motivational word would you leave with them? So has it just got to be one word? No, 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 no. Or just like, just, yeah, okay, cool, all right. Um, I, I'm looking for an encouraging... Yeah, yeah, okay. Thought. Well, I mean, I could talk all day about this kind of subject because I love personal development, but I'd, I'd say for me... I would say that it's, it's, it's all about challenging yourself. It's about having a positive mindset. Like your, your, your personal situation, your life situation is one thing, but your, your mentality, your outlook, your mindset is what's going to carry you through life. That's what's going to steer you through life. Mm. And if you, you I, I firmly believe that if whatever you, you put into your put into life whatever you put out there is what you're going to get back and if you if you approach it in a negative way then that's all you're going to get back so so for me life only flows in one direction it flows in the positive direction and the sooner you get in the flow with that the more good things are going to come to you so and that comes from your mentality and that's about taking responsibility for your life it's about not blaming other people and not blaming yourself either for you know, your problems, your challenges. It's about knowing that you, it's within your power to change it and you can change it by your mentality and the actions that you take. So once you've got that positive mentality, it's really about challenging yourself and just getting outside your comfort zone, going after what you actually want and following your passions. And I think that that's what I'd like. Like, you know, that's the way I like to live my life. And I, I think it's just, really powerful way to approach life really. Alex, I want to thank you very much for sharing your story with me and for this little chit chat that we had. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Wilbur, it was, it was an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it as well. If you have any questions or comments regarding this program, please address them to norwill2 at gmail.com that is n-o-r-w-i-l-l number two at gmail.com thanks for listening have a happy and productive week that's it for today join me next time when we will present another in the series vision scope music was provided by Rennie Williams, Jr.